Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Hey there, it's so good to be with you today, my friend. Now, today's episode is, we're going to kick things off with a bang here. We're going to be talking about how to know how to trust yourself. And so there's a reason that we're doing this podcast today. Because if there was one thing that I wish I had known before ever taking the leap into business for myself, it's to learn to trust myself. Now, maybe you are not interested in starting a business. Maybe you are an educator and you're happy there. Um, And you're just interested in knowing how do I make steps confidently in my own career? Maybe you're looking to get out of the classroom, but you don't know what to do next. I know a lot of educators who are in that position, um, and they're not even sure if they want to get out of the classroom, quite honestly, and they're struggling with that decision. Or perhaps you are ready and you know that you want to start a business or you want to help other teachers using your expertise. Um, This episode is going to be for all of y'all, okay? Uh, I'm going to use my experience shifting from being a a classroom teacher into central office and now over into an online business that serves hundreds of thousands of educators. I'm going to use that experience as kind of a pathway for this discussion. But at the heart of today is the understanding of how to trust yourself, how to trust your gut, and to use that as a way to move forward, no matter what your next step looks like. So I'm excited that you're here and to have this conversation with you. Now, the first thing that I want us to dive into, the first concept I want us to talk about is the idea of trusting yourself first, not last. Um, Now, I thought about this a long time before I actually sat down to record this episode because that statement, trust yourself first, not last, can come across sometimes like (laughs) you are the end all be all. You are the one who's in charge of everything all the time and uh, you've got to, that, that you place all of your trust there. And that's not the perspective that I want us to take. But I do want us to think about not placing our own thoughts and feelings at the end of the line, but instead taking a look at that as a gift that we have, that we have this inner wisdom that can guide us and to place the emphasis, to place our trust in that before others' opinions. So here's what I mean by that. Lots of times when we're making decisions, and I want you to think about the last big decision that you made, okay? When we're making decisions, we will go to a lot of other people to ask for their opinions on that, right? I know that when I make big decisions, I go to my husband, I go to my mom, I go to my best friends, I go to my work colleagues, uh, I go to my church family, and I will ask each of those individuals and give them the scenario and say, what do you think? Would you go in this direction or would you go in that direction? I'm kind of taking stock. 
of what everybody else thinks, right? Um, and the very last piece that I often will do is think to myself, okay, what's your gut tell you with this, <laughs> right? And the thing I would encourage you to do is to flip that script and actually start with your gut. So when you're facing a big decision, start by getting really quiet and turn off all the noise, turn off the distractions, and sit in the uncomfortable silence that comes up. Um, some of you may be really happy in silence and you're feeling really comfortable there. But I know for me, silence after a bunch of noise feels a little uncomfortable at first. It's kind of like, okay, I have all these other things that I should be doing. I have all of these other things on my mind. Uh, I don't really have time for this silence bit. But the silence is where we actually can start to listen to ourselves. We often don't find that easily. So um, once you start there and you get silent with yourself and you get a little uncomfortable and getting comfortable in that uncomfort um, or discomfort, I should say, start to ask yourself some, some questions about whatever the decision is for you. So let's use the scenario of, you know, do I want to leave the classroom and start a business for myself? Let's just say that that's it. It, it may or may not be for you, but let's say that that's the scenario. The first step is to really get quiet and think, what is, what's my initial reaction to that? What does my body actually feel like when I try on that hat, when I try on that experience of leaving the classroom and stepping into creating a business of some sort for myself? Is it excited? Is it scared? Uh, is it worried? Is it, um, you know, it's so overwhelmed you can't handle it? Is it joyful? There are so many uh, possibilities. So just listen to what your body is kind of telling you and start there and begin to trust that you already know what the right step is for you. Now, if you want to validate that opinion or make sure that you're on the right track, that's when you get to go to other people and start asking them decision, asking them questions about the decision. But don't ask them about what they think you should do. Ask them something very specific about the decision you're getting ready to make. So I'll give you an example of how this played out for me in hopes that it might offer you some kind of um, experience or similar understanding of how it might play out for you. Um, way back when I was really young um, and I had been in the classroom for about seven years at that point, I had finished my master's degree in administration because I had been a music educator and I was frustrated that arts educators weren't even being asked to the table, much less being offered the, the ability to be part of the discussion. Uh, I got really frustrated with that and I felt like if I could become an administrator, I could bring that voice to the table in a different way and be an advocate for the arts in that capacity. I had begun my work in arts integration. I had um, started a successful pilot at our school. It was in year two or three at that point. It had been nationally recognized for our arts, arts integration efforts. And so I had this plan in my head in my 20s that by 30, I was going to be an administrator. And by 35, I was going to be a principal. And by 40, I was going to be in central office. And I was going to be able to make change on a very predictable trajectory. Uh, and I, so I had applied for first step, which was to apply for the assistant principal pool. 
And in the district that I was in, and this happens in many large districts, you don't apply for individual assistant principal positions. You put your name into a pool of candidates. And then um, they, you go through an inter- interview process and a committee looks and determines out of the pool, who are we going to select to place into the open slots this year for assistant principals? And so I had applied for the pool. At that point, I was eligible. And I was really confident, you guys, I was, I was really confident that, uh, that this was going to be the next step because naturally that's how it's supposed to go, right? And I was ready. And uh, I got a call back and I was anticipating it was, the, it was the next step into the interview process. And it was to let me know that I had not been selected. And I was flabbergasted. So I remember I went to my principal who happened to be on the committee and I said, you know, I'm, I'm a little surprised, but could you give me some feedback that I could do better in? Now, I'm a type three on the Enneagram, which is going to be in our next episode. I'm going to talk all about the Enneagram and how you can, can really make some big moves once you know who's who on an Enneagram. But I'm a type three. Typically, a type three uh, is very ambitious and um, they are natural leaders and they also don't take feedback well if it's given in public, right? They look for it in private. And so that's definitely me. (laughs) And so I wasn't really excited to ask for the feedback, but I I wanted it. And I remember he looked at me and he said, you know, I really don't know. I remember looking at everything with the the, uh, committee and you were at the top of our list. So I don't know what happened. You may want to check with the director of elementary school administrators. She's the one who gets to make the final decision. So I call and ask her. And I remember this conversation so clearly. It's one of those moments that is burned into my mind. Uh, She was on the phone and it was apparent that I had interrupted something. And so I said who I was and what I was looking for. And she was like, let me get your file. She pulls it out. She's like, oh yes, I remember you. Um, so she, she then proceeds to tell me you're, you're awfully young. And I said, well, you know, I, I might be a little young, but I have a lot of experience and I've, I've set up this pilot program here. Well, but what I'm saying is that you've only been in one school in our district. That was true. But I, again, I offered, I said, well, that's true, but I have served in other school systems. So I've had different experiences and very different populations. And I'm sorry if that was not communicated well on my application. And she said, no, what I'm telling you is to go home make babies. And when you're ready, um, maybe in maybe 10 years, you come on back and apply for the pool um, when it's a more appropriate time for you. And I was flabbergasted. If your jaw is kind of on the floor right now, that is about what mine looked like on the phone with this woman. I remember hanging up and just crying. I mean, I was sobbing (laughs) because I didn't quite know what to do with that information. And I mulled on that for a while And at the time, I had also been documenting the whole process of our arts integration efforts. I had started the website that we have now, which is now the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. But at the time, I had called it Education Closet because we had it was a closet of information of everything that we had for arts integration. And it had been doing okay, but it wasn't I didn't have it in mind to turn it into a business of any kind. Um, And so I. I looked at my husband that night and I said, I don't, I don't understand this, but what I do understand, what I know now is that that must not be the right path for me. 
Um, and because that doesn't sit right with me, that doesn't feel right to me. And that was the first time that I really tuned into trusting myself. And at that point, it was really scary. But I told him, I said, you know what? I don't think I can stay in a position where that is the culture. I don't think I can stay there. I don't know what comes next, but I don't think I can stay there. And so for months, I am, I like, we call it him and hawing. Like <laughs> I'm from a rural area originally. That's what we used to call it, him and hawing. I was kind of chewing on this situation. And I remember at Valentine's Day night, I looked at my husband. And I said, you know what? I bet on me. I bet on us. I believe that we can do something great as a next step. And he, he looked at me and he said, what is it? And I said, I think I need to, to help other teachers learn how to use arts integration beyond my school. I don't know what that means, whether that's a school district or whether that's stepping out on my own with a business, but I'm going to take that next step. And so the lesson I learned from that whole scenario, and that story is not over, we're going to keep going with this, but I want you to think about this for a minute. The only person that you need to bet on is yourself. I got really disillusioned at the politics that I did was not even aware was right there under the surface. And I know a lot of you are right there right now. You're, you got into this profession for a whole lot of really good reasons. And for whatever reason, now you're starting to see things that just have disillusioned you to what it is that you want to do. And so I want to let you know, whether you stay or whether you go or however you make that decision, that at the end of the day, you can bet on yourself. You can listen to that inner voice, that whatever that feeling is, that gut feeling, and know that it's there to protect you in some way. It's guiding you on a path. Do not fight it. Because that was my le- next lesson, right? Um, you know the way forward. When you follow that feeling, that gut feeling, even if, and especially if it's scary, you will always land on your own two feet. So if you are in a situation right now where you're looking at something with concern, but you have a feeling about a way you should move forward in that, I want you to follow that, right? Even if it's scary, because you're going to land on your own two feet as long as you follow it and listen to it. So how do you find and listen to your gut, right? Because it's hard to find that feeling. It's hard to, to know, is this the thing that I should be following or is this just something I've conjured in my mind, right? Because I'm so tired of whatever it is that I'm in, right? I was so tired of being in that position. Am I just trying to get out of something and is that, gonna, is that not a good decision at this point? So fast forward. I have now become an arts integration specialist for a large county system, totally different school district. I've moved into central office as an arts integration specialist at that point, um, left the, the school, and I thought, okay, this is my way forward, right? I'm still on the side here working on this side business. I, I didn't want to give that up. And in fact, I remember that was a stipulation for when I moved into that arts integration specialist position. I said, I'm not giving up this piece. If you're going to require for me to give that up on my own time, I'm going to not be able to take this position because I really felt strongly that there was something there. There was a nugget 
Uh, I think at the at that point in time, we had maybe 700 people a week who were looking at our site. <laughs> and I laugh now because we have like hundreds of thousands of people who come to our site each and every month now. But at the time, humble beginnings, you know, but I knew, okay, that's 700 people a week who are coming and looking for lessons and ideas. And, and I don't want to give up helping those people for another position. And thankfully I didn't have to, they allowed me to keep it. So that was on the side. And I was, um, I was now able to impact five schools and start to work in our middle school level as well. So adding three more schools on top of that, uh, working in arts integration in this county system. And I loved it, but I was getting really, really burnt out because it was an hour and a half to get to that job from my house. And at the time, my daughter was two. And so I was the first one to drop her off in the morning and the last one at night to pick her up. It was hard. And I also started to notice some of the cracks in central office. And those of you who are administrators or have experience in central office know what I'm talking about. Central office is not the the evil place that many of us in, in education think it is. It has its its challenges though, just like everywhere else. And I was starting to see that, starting to see again the politics that were going into it and that I couldn't impact as many people because of all the red tape that I could impact over here on the side with this online piece. And so I started having this, this conversation. Now this was years after my first experience here of, of having to make a big decision of moving right from that school to the, to a central office point. But it started to churn a little bit again. And I recognized this feeling. And I remember thinking to myself, no, 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 do not, right? Not yet. Um, but at the same time, I was getting really weary from the back and forth down an hour and a half back an hour and a half, not seeing the impact that I wanted to make. And so um, I, I have coffee with my mom every Thursday, uh, regardless of what was going on. In fact, if you're listening to this on a Thursday around 4 p.m. Eastern time, I'm probably sitting at my kitchen counter having coffee with my mom still. It's something that we just have that we get to do. I'm grateful for it. So I remember sitting with her at coffee and every week for six months, I would sit there with her and I would talk around this. You know, I, I knew I needed to follow my gut and she kept telling me that. And I kept saying, I don't know how to find it. I don't, every once in a while I get a glimmer of it, but I don't know how to find it. And, um, and also, you know, I'm thinking, and I give every excuse in the book. I was, you know, I would be giving up a steady paycheck. I would be giving up health insurance. How do I know that this is going to take off? How do I know that this would fly? I mean, all of these things are going around and around and kind of talking about it to the point where I think my mom was starting to get a little frustrated, but I needed somebody to bounce ideas around. And that's, that's a good thing to know. But she kept telling me, what does your gut say to you? And I kept thinking, I don't know how to listen. I don't know how to find it. I'm quiet. And I just have all these nerves that are bundled around it. So I will never forget this. I was driving on a Tuesday morning down to work. I needed to get on the Baltimore Beltway in order to get down there. That is a four lane highway one way um, on one side and four lanes on the end on the, the other. It's very busy in the mornings. Usually there's traffic jams. Um, it's just, it's not a pleasant thing. So I was driving down on a Tuesday. It was raining 
And I remember merging onto the beltway and pulling all the way over to the left lane and sitting in the traffic, just in park for, for a couple of minutes. And I just felt this overwhelming sense that I could no longer do this. I could no longer keep that drive going. I could no longer um, settle for not being able to impact the people that I wanted to impact, the, the people that I knew that I could help, and getting stuck in the red tape. And that was it. That was the way that I started to learn to listen to myself. It was quiet. I could feel it. There was not really a choice anymore. Once I felt that, then I knew how to move forward. Um, Another time I was pushing off a big decision about school for our daughter and I had made a lot of pro-con lists and just I couldn't come to a conclusion because the pros and the cons were just about dead even, right? So instead, I made a 30-day commitment to myself to meditate for five minutes every day on the issue. Now, here's the thing. Like, meditation is hard for me. I don't know if it's hard for you, but for me, I have this thing called monkey mind, right? Where when I get quiet, my mind jumps from thought to thought to thought, like it's jumping across branches, right? Monkey mind. And so for me, you know, five minutes of meditation is hard. I don't know how people who do it for 30 minutes can. That's amazing. For me, five minutes is difficult. So I made a commitment for 30 days to meditate for five minutes a day, every day on that particular issue. And so when I did that, the answer came really easily to me then. I was able to learn how to quiet myself enough to listen to myself. I could check in with my gut and the answer then just came naturally. And once the answer comes, then you know it. And so the fight of trying to move forward with what you know you should versus all of the other excuses, that's where the disconnect can sometimes happen as well. So the lesson learned here in how to find and listen to your gut is to get out of your head and into your body. I don't care if that's taking a walk, meditating, going outside and just sitting in nature for five minutes. You gotta get out of your head and into your body in order to learn how to begin to trust yourself, okay? Learn how to listen to your body and all the wisdom it contains and then trust it moving forward. That's a big piece here in learning how to trust yourself. So if that's a struggle for you, I challenge you this week, just set aside five minutes and do something that gets out of that head space and into the feel of your body. And decisions are going to come a little bit easier, I think. Okay. Now, here's what happens when you don't trust yourself. You sacrifice time, energy, and countless resources in the wrong space, okay? You think about all that time that I spent him and hawing, right? How many times, all those months, those six months that I couldn't get back because I spent those six months kind of chewing on what I knew I needed to do but couldn't get the courage to do it, right? Because I didn't trust myself, I wanted to know what everybody else thought. I wanted to to know that this was the right thing to do. You know, spoiler alert, you're never going to know what the right thing is to do. Not 100%. 
I'm sorry if that's the first thing that like you're really going to hear, but I'm telling you, you're never going to know 100%. The best that we can do is to know in ourselves what the right thing to do, the right next step is for us at that moment, at that moment, not tomorrow, not a year from now, what the consequence of everything is going to be. What is the right next step for you in this moment? If you are facing a decision right now on whether or not to step out, either to create that business or to step into a new position or to stay in the position and rock it out, right? What is the right next step for you right now? Follow that. Okay, because otherwise you're just wasting time and energy and so many resources trying to worry it through. Okay, the journey is important and I am a huge believer that you either get a win or a lesson, but you never really lose. Okay, so I don't regret um, those six months. I'm disappointed in myself sometimes for not trusting myself faster. But I don't regret those six months because they taught me how to find my own inner gut that I could listen to, how to trust myself, right? So I got a lesson, but I didn't get a win, right? (laughs) So sometimes you get a win, sometimes you get a lesson, you don't really lose. But I could have learned the lesson so much faster if I had listened to and trusted myself. And that's what I want you to walk away from this with. Don't waste time. Get quiet, get out of your head, get into nature, figure out how to listen to yourself and then take that next step. Trust yourself first, okay? They say that suffering is wanting things to be different than they are and I I believe that. I also believe that suffering comes at the hands of not trusting that you know what you need and want in living someone else's expectations of you. That is one of the most painful experiences to endure, and I don't want you stuck there. So no matter what your decision is, okay, trust that you know what you need and want and go from there. Now, here's some things that have worked for me. Number one, and these are in no particular order, by the way, I've done all of these at different times, but I think they're they're all uh, helpful for people. Number one, I got a coach. So I didn't know what I was doing in business. I had no clue. I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur, but I, and I had watched that and I saw a lot of things that I didn't want. So, um, but I wasn't quite sure how to do that for myself. Like I didn't know about business insurance and I didn't know about how to market and I didn't know um, about email lists or any of that. Like no clue. I didn't know about billing or school purchase orders and what that all meant. Um, So I had to get somebody to tell me here's and walk me through that so that I didn't feel dumb. You know, like sometimes I felt dumb calling up specific professionals and asking them, what do I, what do I do here? I don't know. Um, But when I asked my coach, I didn't feel that way because my coach had been through it. It was a trusted person um, and they could give me advice and ideas and tools in order to help with that, knowing where I was going. Okay. So getting a coach was important for me. I did a lot of reading and particularly the books, A Vision, uh, A Return to Love, which is um, from Marianne Williamson. 
Immortal Diamond from Richard Rohr, and um, Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. I loved all three of those books that helped me sincerely in both finding my own decision mechanism, right? How do I make decisions and how do I learn to trust myself? And also how to build something beyond myself and find that next vision, right? So that was those were helpful. Getting outside at least once a day for no less than 10 minutes. Even when it was cold out, right? I would bundle up 10 minutes a day. I still do this. I will tell you for me, winter is the hardest time because it's cold, it's dark, um, it's dark late and it's dark early and it's just, I feel like a mushroom. It's, uh, and everything feels much more amplified for me, right? So getting outside gives me the ability to breathe. I don't know what it is, but just being outside for at least 10 minutes has always been helpful for me. And I think that might be helpful for you as well. Meditating or praying for five minutes every day. Um, I told you that's hard for me. That monkey mind thing, that still happens. <laughs> um, it happens less. Like I think the first time I did it, I had monkey mind for four out of the five minutes and finally was able to to calm it down um, for one minute of, of peace. I'm, I'm better now. It takes about 30 seconds to a minute, but I it still happens. So practicing that uh, and journaling. I journal every day. Usually in the mornings with a cup of coffee before everybody gets up, but I find that it's helpful. It's a way to get out of my head um, much easier because I can just, and journaling can just be a free write. Just everything that's in your mind, even if it's silly, even if it doesn't make sense, you just get it out on paper and then it's not in your mind anymore, right? So journaling has been really helpful as well. All right. So I hope that that episode, if you are facing a decision, if you're looking to start a business, if you are looking at a different possibility in education, no matter what that is for you, I hope that this episode has helped you in some way. I'd love to hear which of those kinds of ideas resonated most with you, the whether it's trusting yourself first, not last, how to find and listen to your gut, or um, the, the things that have worked for me, things that you can then try. I'd love to hear from you, you know, what resonated most. So, um, please do. There's a, on our website at artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers, there is a form that you can just quick send me a note and let me know what worked. Um, I read every single one. And so, um, please, I'd love to hear from you as well. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you next time here on the Spark Chasers podcast. Well, check that off your list, my friends. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.